When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I got out of MLM, I was overwhelmed by shame, regret, guilt, and loneliness. But sharing my story has helped free me up, and I want to invite you to do the same, either publicly or anonymously, as a catalyst for your healing. The From Huns to Humans podcast is a proud supporter of the hashtag I Got Out movement. Learn more and find resources at igotout.org. Hey hun, it's me, Danielle. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. Roberta, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is your podcast, right? Okay, hold on. Let me try this again. Welcome back to another episode of From Huns to Humans. Was that better? Oh, you got it right that time. Good okay. job. <laughs> <laughs> um, Roberta, I'm so excited to have you on again. Uh, this has been so fun collaborating for Cult Month. What has your experience, this is your second year now of doing a collaboration with I Got Out. How was that for you? Um, clearly you liked it the first time to come back and do it another round, right? Absolutely. Uh, last year, it was just sort of like a fluke, right? Lula Rich had come out. I was the one in it that said, I'm in a cult. And so there was a lot of cult people that were like, hey, yes, absolutely. And I got in touch with Jarrett and Lisa of I Got Out. And we were like, hey, um, I don't know who I'm sure it was them because it would have been really weird for me to be like, let's do this for you. So they were like, we want to make November MLM cult focus. And I was like, that sounds great. Like the show had just come out. And so that's what we did the first year. And I think it was probably around early, late summer, early fall. I reached out again and I was like, hey, let's do the second annual. It was so great. I want to do this focus. I have really great cult stories that I've been saving for November and they were like, let's do this. And uh, I circled in you and also Michelle, who has out of MLM.info. And she was part of this too. And the five of us collaborated on this month to bring not only information and education, but stories and to have a little bit of a different focus, not just MLM. I mean, every episode of the MLM episodes are all cult episodes because MLMs are cults. But I wanted to tell other cult stories so that people could go, oh. <gasps> that happened to me in Plexus or <gasps> that happened to me, you know, and tell these different stories. And I've got even Nexium and Scientology episodes coming up for December that are going to go into it as well. But the, the, the focus I kind of shifted, I did some really culty MLMs. I did an am a couple Amway episodes um, and some really culty MLM stories and then went into some other cult stories. I just think it's important. It was really fun. And you know, I totally chicken scratched all over this question because it was like, how was it? And the short answer, it was, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm, I'm like hyper-focusing on the Nexium and Psychology episodes because I'm so excited about them, but uh, that's what we're, we're here to talk too. about. <laughs> so, well, I guess they are cult stories. They just didn't make it into the month, which is totally fine. They're going to be super special and awesome in December. But I wanted to talk about, you were saying how it's so helpful to compare the cult stories from, from like, I guess, a classic cult to a commercial cult, because, um, and I talk about this in my episode with Lisa, where, and I catch myself doing it too, I've already done it in this episode, or I, I, the part that we recorded for your podcast, 
a classic cult versus a commercial cult or a culty cult versus an MLM. Like, you know what I mean? Like discounting our experiences in cults because they aren't as classically abusive as what we think of when we hear cult. Just because we didn't Mm -hmm. all get massacred doesn't mean that we weren't in a cult. Right. Yeah. Just because it didn't end with the worst possible scenario ever doesn't mean that we weren't in a psychologically abusive situation. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And like I like to say um, in the podcast, like trauma is not like a measuring contest. Like we don't have to compare trauma to have our own like grief and loss and sadness and feelings and all all of the feels anger. Um, Yeah. And Megan Williams, she's she says this is not the pain Olympics. And that's like my favorite. Yes. Yes. Uh, I usually say it's not a trauma dick measuring contest, <laughs> but you know, cause what you hear people say is like, Oh, well it wasn't that bad. Or like my experience wasn't that bad, but you would never say it in reverse. You would never say, Oh, like, well, I could be happier. So I don't deserve to be happy. Like that just doesn't even make sense. Um, so I think our society has really told us that we need to like dull down our quote unquote negative emotions, uh, and not feel them. And I think that this is one of the ways that we display that in the anti-MLM community is we like, we try to give space to the fact that we were in a cult, but then we also don't believe it and have some cognitive dissonance and all that stuff. So then we say things like that. And, uh, I guess this is just me showing that mine is always showing, (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> Word salad. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, it's delicious. Nippy yes. makes a delicious word salad. Danielle makes a delicious word salad. It's fine. <laughs> um, so so we've collected so many stories this month from people who have, you know, told their stories on the podcast, but also we've kind of put out a call to action for anyone who wanted to share more of like a bite-sized version of their story. So that's what we're here today to do is to share the written uh, anonymous submissions that we got, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, Um, it was, it was really cool. We put out um, a call to action and I I, I did like a TikTok video. I put call to actions in the podcast and there was a submission link. You could submit stories. I did like Instagram stories where people could submit things and we got a pretty good response i mean i don't expect a lot of people to be like oh me 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 next me next i really want to recount this traumatic event with you as fast as i possibly can like it it's something that i knew that would take quite a bit of coaxing to say if you're ready if you're willing and it is all anonymous and everything is redacted uh except for like company and cult names obviously because that we need to expose that (laughs) um but you know like i was actually really surprised by the response of how many people were so candid and willing to share their experiences. And I know that there's a lot of people that want to come on the show, your show and my show and tell their stories as well. And I think those are very valuable too. But one of the episodes that I did this, uh, this month was with Jurette Bouillon, who is one of the founders of I Got Out, which is who we teamed up with. And so we talked about telling your story. And when it's the right time and how it's the right time and everybody's story is different. And every single person that goes through the process of telling their story, it's going to look very different. Not everybody's going to have a documentary. Not everybody's going to have a news article. Not everybody's going to be on a podcast. Sometimes it's literally just a comment in a comment section. And I talk again with to Jarette, we talk about the ripple effect of throwing that little pebble into the pond that your story is that pebble and you throw it on that pond and you're like, Oh, well, there goes that pebble. Oh, well, it's out there now. You don't see every single ripple that comes off of that pebble and every single thing that, that happens because of that one little thing, you make a comment and someone might already be on the fence with their cognitive dissonance about that. And they see your comment and they go, "Uh huh? Yep. That's yes, that. And that's the comment that tells them get out. You're the last straw, like your comments, that straw. And so I think it's so important. And I know that people want to be anonymous and that's great too, but I think it's really important if you can, and if you are ready to share your story, even if it is just a comment, even if it is just one line or one little comment or a joke or a word, 
you know, because there's so much impact behind that, that I think a lot of us don't realize because we throw that pebble in the pond and we walk away and we don't see all like everything that happens. I get so many emails from people who are still in their MLMs who are like, thank you so much for doing an episode on this because I was in that one. And like it, you were right. Like it it opened my eyes some more or you finally talked about my MLM and that's the one that made me go, oh my God, I need to get out of this. But I also have people that are in their MLMs that can't get out yet because they have all their eggs in the basket and they have their husbands retired, whatever. And they're like, everything is dependent on my bonus check. I'm in the top 1%. But I realize now that I am the problem and I have to get out, but it's going to take me a year. But these people are now conscious of what they're doing. And so they're making better decisions, even though they're in a really predatory system. And I think it's important that we tell our stories because all of those people that feel so alone, they're not going to feel alone when they get to hear or read or see or whatever your story to let them know that, you know, hey, it happened to me too. And I got out and it's really great on this side. And um, I think as a community, we have to understand that every single person is a victim, even the ones that were putting their faces up and blasting their names and you know, I'm guilty of it. I, I share audio of, of things on my podcast to, to go with the bonus episodes that I do to really drive home some of the points that I make. You know, I try to do it as educational only. I try not to get in that bullying space, but it does happen sometimes. And I think we have to remember that everybody is a victim. And so everybody has a story, uh, whether they're actively living it right now and not ready to tell it, or they're on the fence, ready to tell it. Like, I just think it's really important. And so again, all over the question, but I loved talking to Jurette and I loved that episode because I learned so much about being compassionate and and telling stories and being ready because I also have been guilty of being like, yeah, you should tell your story even when people aren't ready because I think it would be a really great addition or really great or I think people would love to hear it. And, you know, I I learn every day to be better and, and to say, are you ready to tell your story? Or maybe we should wait another month or let's continue to talk and we'll, we'll record eventually because again, you know, telling your story is very impactful, but it also is so personal that if you, if you, launch before you're ready, like you can have maybe not the results that you necessarily wanted. Right. And I think this is so interesting. And I know I've said this either on my podcast or your podcast before, but I actually really love when I interview someone and then you interview them or vice versa. And I get to see the growth. Uh, My therapist brain just like sparkles with those like episodes because it's so cool because what happens is they start at whatever podcast I start at and then they go to the next one and you can just see how much they've changed over time even if it's just a month apart I just interviewed someone before this that has was on your episode and she told me she said you know I was so angry when I recorded with Roberta and I'm much calmer now and I was like Wow. So I'm really excited because I'm like, I can't wait to hear Roberta's episode with this person. So it's been really interesting because, you know, I guess the moral of the story is if telling your story is important to your processing, like it changes over time and it's okay for you to do this as many times as you need to. There are so many anti-MLM podcasts available that you can go to, or, you know, you can jump on TikTok. And like, I think that's interesting too. You know, we see some of these people that start telling their stories on TikTok and then me or you grab them and we say, Hey, do you want, do you want to talk about it on the platform? Uh, you know, long form. And we get to really see them develop and grow and tell their story and process things in real time. We are healing in real time. Me and Roberta are still we're healing in yeah. real time from these things. And I think that we need to make sure that we allow space for that because even though we are excited to help people, like you said, you know, we never know what's what other people are still healing from when we ask them to be on the podcast. And I think that it's so difficult to remember to hold space for that because we get so excited to help people just like we did an MLM, right? Like you were so excited to help people buy leggings. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was like, you got to try them. They're buttery soft. That's weird because <laughs> butter's greasy. Anyway, yes, tell your story like I'm honestly like people that listen to this and know me and have seen me and know what I'm about. And they're like, Roberta, she knows what's up. 
Go listen to my very first interview. It was on the Sounds Like an MLM But Okay podcast. I think it's a two-parter. Like, I'm fresh out. I, I don't even think I had spoken to, like, the media yet. And I listened back to that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, this girl is so clueless about so many things. Because it was still very, like, me-center-focused. Like, this is, it, I didn't understand, like, the magnitude. But I wanted to tell my story. and I And someone was interested in hearing it. And I was like, I'll tell it. And so it's very, very important. I think I did that one in like 2017 or something. Like it's really old and it's really raw and it's really fresh. I mean, I'm fresh out. You listen to that and you listen to me now and you're like, those are two completely different people. Completely Absolutely. different. And I am a completely different person. I changed. That was the whole point, right? So right. It, it's so important to tell your story. And and again, if you feel like you can need to continue telling your story because you are growing and you want to share that growth, I think that's really important too. Because yeah, if absolutely. I had stopped at that first 2017 interview, I wouldn't be here right now. You wouldn't be here right now. None of this would be happening right now if I had been like, well, my story's out there and I'm done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a cool point to remember that like we all start somewhere and we're constantly growing, we're constantly learning, we're constantly, you know, evolving. And that's, I think, one of the cool things about this space is that we're also kind of constantly looking at ourselves. I think uh, I heard you say, I can't remember what you corrected in one of your episodes. But I think that you said something recently, where you caught yourself and you're like, uh, oh, it was about narcissistic. Oh, so the phrase is narcissistic abuse, but that's not the correct term. Um, so I'll let you speak to that. Well, it was just, you know, and I actually talked to Dr. Romani about this when, when I went to uh, Sarah Edmondson invited me to the VOW premiere. So I got to meet a bunch of people and Dr. Romani and I actually sat and talked about this exact thing. And she also then corrected me because she felt I was being too corrective. <laughs> and I was like, oh. okay. So I toned it back a little bit. What I was saying was that I was calling pretty much all covert abuse, narcissistic abuse, even if it wasn't being done by a narcissist. And someone was like, hey, not all abuse is narcissistic abuse. Um, you know, a better term to use is covert abuse. And I was like, of course. So then I talked to Dr. Romney about it and she's going to come and, and we're going to do a whole episode about this. So if this Ooh. is interesting, check in later at a later date. Uh, yeah. But I was calling all abuse, narcissistic abuse, or, you know, this covert abuse, all covert abuse, I was calling narcissistic abuse. And mm -hmm. I wanted to correct myself and to say that it is covert abuse. And when it is done by a narcissist, then it is narcissistic abuse as well. But um, I was kind of conflating those two terms um, based on my own bias of narcissistic abuse, covert narcissistic abuse my entire life. And so, you know, sometimes your bias shows and that was something that happened and I corrected. And then <laughs> Dr. Romney was like, well, you overcorrected a little too much. Come back. And, you know, we, we have an episode coming out about all of that. But yeah, oh, I think it's important. So interesting. I say yeah. all the time, like you're, you're only in competition with yourself. You only have to be better than who you were the day before. And, and that's it. Like we make mistakes. We're human. Right. And if everyone gets love... canceled over being human, it's ridiculous. You're, you need yes. the space to say, I fucked up and I'm Absolutely. sorry. And I'm not going to do that again. Or I'm not going to use those terms again. Another thing is like, I will use terms like crazy or insane, like that's insane. And I'm trying not to do that either, but it is so ingrained in my brain. And it is something that I actively have to be like, Ugh! so I'm trying really hard to do that as well and to correct and not use those terms like that. And that's, yeah. and that's, again, it's just growing and knowing and doing better when you learn better. And I just didn't know because yeah. it was not, that was never my intention. But again, intention is not the point here. Of course, nobody's intending to be horrible when they're horrible. Right. I mean, right. some people might be, but do you know right. what I mean? And so I had to also go like, okay, it's not about intention. Like, let's throw that out because it's not about intention. And to say, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was doing that. And I'm going to try really hard to be better. And if, if you and I could understand that I am in that transition of being better and you could be a little more understanding if I slip up because I am human, I will do my best. And I think that is, that's all you have to do. That's all you have right. to do is just be, you know, just be better, learn and be better. That's all. Absolutely. And that's what I really like about the compassionate anti-MLM movement is like, 
the space that we leave for people to be human and to grow and to acknowledge and move on. Because if we didn't do that, then we wouldn't be able to be here doing this podcast because we would just be, uh, I guess, like crappy MLM people that scammed people. And why would we say anything about it? (laughs) You know, and obviously I don't mean that like people that are in MLMs are not crappy people. We were there. We get it. It's hard. And I think hopefully... when you said crappy MLM person, there was a yeah. person that came to everybody's mind and every <laughs> single person knows that it's that 0.0001% Becky that was horrible to them. That's the yeah. bad person. And it's not everybody. I, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that there is um, a part of the anti-MLM movement that is really angry. They, you know, are very quick to say you're dumb, you're stupid, why'd you fall for this? Like, da 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 And I don't think that we would be where we are today, like, with the open-mindedness of growing and, like, trying to be available for feedback. Yeah. No, absolutely. When I left LuLaRoe five and a half years ago, whatever it was, I-, I was that person. I ran in those circles. I was that angry person that would sit in the Facebook groups and comment and respond. And when someone said something, I'd be like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I would fight. I would pick fights because I was angry. And I lived in my anger because I felt like this shouldn't have happened and blah, 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 whatever it was. And I realized that sitting in my anger wasn't going to do anything for me or for anybody else that I was trying to help. And as much as I could correct people in the comment section, it was futile because nobody cares. Nobody cares. And so I felt like if I really truly wanted to make an impact that I had to connect on a relatable level and it wasn't about me correcting people. It was about me burying my soul and being as vulnerable as possible and saying, this happened to me. Please listen because you might learn something. Because someone you love is probably in something like this too. And I want you to see it from a different perspective because we're not all stupid. Some of us just wanted something bigger and better in our lives. And we trusted the wrong person. Who in their life has not trusted the wrong person? Like no one can raise their hand right now. No one. Right. And maybe you trusted someone who didn't scam you as much as the person I trusted that scammed me. But trusting the wrong person usually always has the same result. Like someone's going to get hurt and it's not usually the person you trusted. So I wanted to make sure that the human aspect of this, I'm not just another number, even though I am just another number. I'm just another cog. I'm just another brick, but I'm not because I'm going to stand up and say, you know what? Yeah, I was a brick. I was a cog, but there is something that's different about me. And there's also something that's the same And that similarity is the problem. And we have to talk about this because this seems like it was designed this way. And so in my research and in talking to people and in just being open-minded and just opening my eyes and realizing that I don't know everything and that I'm not always right and I'm not perfect in learning that and in realizing that and my elitist superiority of Uh, don't be so stupid to join an MLM. Like it went out the window because I realized that I'm the person, I I sometimes say like I'm the foyer into the anti-MLM community because I deal with so many people who are still in MLMs who have questions and they just, they're scared. They don't want to go into a Facebook group and ask a question because they're going to get destroyed. Right. So I knew that there needed to be a safe space. Um, I think Jessica Hickson has a great group too. The light at the end of the pyramid is another really great safe space anti-MLM group on Facebook. I think Facebook is the devil, but um, <laughs> I don't really like it. I understand that it is an evil necessity for being a podcaster and having to promote myself and having a community. I understand that, but I hate it. And if you guys still love Facebook, you should read the chaos machine because then you'll also hate Facebook and you'll understand. But, you know, it's a necessary evil. And I was in those groups. And I just, I knew, I knew that it, that something had to change and that thing that changed was me. And, and I hope that in changing that I inspired other people to, to look at it in a different way and to say, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way. And to have more compassion, love, empathy, and kindness for victims. Because if you take this movement and you compare it to any other movement and you victim shame those victims, mm, it's not cool. It's not okay. It's not. It's it's really not. I mean, honestly, 
I know that the example that we gave offline was really extreme, but honestly, I think that you should say it because it is extreme, but it really puts it in perspective of how much kindness matters in this community because it's still abuse and we are still victims of this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I hate this example. It's, it's a good example, but I hate using it because I hate having to compare it to this because I'm also a victim of this and being a victim of both of these things. I, I understand the similarities, but if we took the anti-MLM movement, we took the, the I got out movement, the cult movement, and we changed it into any other social movement, like the Me Too movement. And we compared it like that. I don't think, I mean, I I wouldn't want to be the person telling the victims of the Me Too movement that they're stupid and they should have worn something different. Yeah. Because you're really emotional. It They're victims. Like, they're victims. Their vulnerability right. was that they wanted something better for their families and themselves. And like, it just, it breaks my heart. It breaks right. my heart to have to compare it, like to have to have to have people understand what victim is and that it, you're a victim of a cult, of, of an abusive relationship, of, of anything, right. you're a victim. And um, again, like this is not the pain Olympics. And we're, we're not here to say I'm more of a victim than you, or I was a victim of three things. So I'm a bigger victim. It's not about that. And I don't ever want to be a victim. Like, I was a victim for a very smart, small amount of time and I became a survivor because I didn't want to sit in my victimhood. I wanted to help people, people that need to sit there. That's okay. But that it didn't work for me. I know yeah. it works for some and some people stay in that a little, however long they need to. It didn't work for me. I wanted to be a voice. I wanted to change ideas. I wanted to change minds. I wanted to change perspective. A victim is a victim is a victim. Yeah. We can't pick and choose who we decide to believe. We can't pick and choose who we decide to support. And we can't pick and choose who we decide to say, you know, this, you didn't deserve this. Right. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we are all just big old skin sacks that hold thoughts and ideas and bones and blood and all that stuff together. And we're, like, we're all just blobs. We're all blobs. So like, why are we? why are we doing this to other blobs? You know, like <laughs> to bring it back to a lighter standpoint, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to punch down ever. No. I don't want to bring up, I want to bring, I don't even want to punch up. I know. Um, yeah. And Punching. even when I do punch, it's an educational punch. It's like yeah. this behavior is a red flag. This yeah. is dangerous. It's not like this person is a cokehead who, uh, you know, flies across the world to smuggle drugs on their. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying yeah. that their behavior is dangerous and that the words right. that they are saying are loaded. And that if you follow the money, it goes straight into their pocket, out of yours and into theirs. And that's what I want people to see. Absolutely. I just think I, you know, I get very passionate about this. Yes. Thank you so much. Because honestly, that. I, it, although it is a really hard and like tough example to like show, I think it really does like show how ridiculous it is that we have people that are just being straight up mean to others. Um, because you wouldn't do that. Like if your friend came to you and said that something terrible happened to them, you would not make fun of them. And if you do yeah. like, please seek treatment. Again, I'm going to say read the chaos machine because even those nasty comment sections are the result of like intense psychological bullshit from social media and the algorithm. And it's just read the chaos machine, please. <laughs> yes. I haven't read it yet, but it is on my list. And it was my face the whole time. Oh my like God. Like just jaw drop, like, oh my God, what have I been a part of? Like, yeah. Guilty. Uh Anyone that's listening, if you have not heard Roberta's episode yet, please um, make sure you skirt over to Roberta's podcast and listen to her episode um, because we are we are both doing this and we're going to have different stories on each episode. Life after MLM, wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> yes. And also, if you love listening to Roberta ad free, you can join her on Patreon. And yeah, it's not only ad free, it's early. To the detriment of my sleep schedule sometimes. And 
I also have like bonus stuff. So like all my dorky jokes and like side tangents, I leave all that stuff in like director's cut edition on the Patreon too. <laughs> yes. I love listening to that. I don't love the Patreon like usage wise. Like I don't like the way the app works. It's strange. Yes. It's hard. It's like a tiny, tiny little social media that like only a certain amount of people can see. We have a small Patreon right now. I I feel like in the next year or so, as it grows, the community aspect will be a little bit more, but there's not, you know, there's a small amount of people and I love them and I appreciate them very, very much. They help keep the podcast running and you know the bills paid i appreciate it yes yes it's expensive to do this (laughs) absolutely but yeah i love it i love uh getting the early episodes so um definitely head over there as you guys hear me talk about in almost every episode we always bring it back to life after mlm because that's where a lot of people start in their anti-mlm journey uh the foyer i say yeah it's the foyer from unseen podcast. I'm gonna go. She said foyer like foyer. So I'm gonna say also foyer. I think it's foyer though. From Huns to Humans podcast is like a small advertisement for your podcast. Woo, I need it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Let's move into reading some of these cult stories. If you have not checked out Roberta's podcast, please make sure you head over there and listen to part one. I'll start off because this one actually is about one of my episodes that was on this month. All of these stories are all submissions. Half of them are on the first episode, which is on my podcast, Life After MLM. And this is the second half of the stories that were submitted over the course of the month. We're going to do the personality and the guru cults and the lifestyle cults now. These stories. Thank you. Thank you Absolutely. for Absolutely. I know. That, that helped me. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I got extra spoons today, so you can have some of mine. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Executive <laughs> functioning is so cool. <laughs> so this one says, I am a huge fan of your podcast and I look forward to it every week. Something about Spencer Schneider's story sounded so familiar to me. The intellectual component, the philosophy based on Gurdjieff, the gatherings. I realized that it sounded so much like the Fellowship of Friends, a super creepy cult in California that I learned about through listening to a podcast by Jennings Brown on the topic. I did some digging and it turns out that I was right. The founder of the Fellowship of Friends was actually influenced by Sharon Gans and her then husband, Alex Horn, and their fourth way gatherings. If you haven't listened to Jennings Brown's podcast on this topic, Revelations, I can't recommend it enough. So well done. And like your work, extremely well-researched. Both the school and the Fellowship of Friends are incredibly awful cults that have affected so many people. I have never been involved with a cult or an MLM myself, but I am so fascinated with human behavior. So I appreciate how much work you put into everything that you do. Thank you so much. That was so sweet. And I looked it up. The Fellowship of Friends is also known as Living Presence and is a fourth-way school. And it is a new religious organization which is non-denominational and has been labeled by critics, ex-members, and some academics as a cult. So right on the nose there, right on the money. Absolutely. The next one is Mastery of Transformational Training in LA. Do you know anything about this one, Roberta? Well, here's the thing. It's like, so I look it up, right? And it says mastery of transformational training and a few search results down. It says, is MITT a cult? Oh, I mean, Um, I feel like that's a good indication that you're touching something culty. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I think that it's very cult-like. There's not a lot. It looks just like another self-help bullshit it just looks like more self-help bullshit and we have learned that the self-help bullshit is pretty culty yeah yeah you really have to pick and choose and like take things with a grain of salt because when somebody is saying something absolutely and they don't know your situation it's dangerous there's nuance to everyone's situation so blanket self-help is not always good yeah I mean I'm looking up their courses and they're in the thousands of dollars and they require like $700 deposits, $500 deposits. Uh, So yeah, it's just really expensive course scam. (laughs) Yuck. So the next one says, I was a Dave Ramsey follower and I consider him a cult. And I've heard this from people, especially in the financial space that Dave Ramsey is kind of culty. I don't follow him, so I don't really know, but I just thought it was really funny that somebody said that. 
because you yeah. get those vibes, right? Like they're listening to our shows. They're learning about this psychological manipulation, the way that loaded language and words are used to manipulate you. And they're seeing it in all of these people that have been using this for years and have made millions off of off of these techniques. They're seeing it and they're going, wait a second. <laughs> and so I, I think it's really cool that um, even though I don't know too much about Dave Ramsey, like that somebody was like, I think he's a cult and, and submitted that. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the next one is, is Baptiste yoga. Thank God I didn't get fully sucked in, but could have for sure. I mean, uh, yoga groups, yeah. Uh, yoga groups. I think Sarah Edmondson talks about this a lot uh, on her podcast. Yoga groups can be very culty. Um, and you have to be really careful about yoga studios that you join um, because it's such a like tranquil experience doing yoga and like the combination of like the affirmations that they can use plus the like body movement and sometimes right. the music and I used to do hot yoga so also sitting there in a hundred plus degree room while you have somebody like saying affirmations to you like you're you're not in like your regular like brain space you know so you can oh, yeah. be very susceptible to different things when you're in these environments that you wouldn't normally be like exposed to. Yeah. And Amanda Montel even mentions yoga groups in cultish, uh, yeah. especially the Bikram yoga groups. So oh, yeah. That's definitely what I used to do. potential for culty interactions there. Yeah. 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 I can just see that. Um, like, so I used to do Bikram yoga and the studio that I went to was very like, very like there were certain instructors that were very very intense about how you did things and oh it was it was a lot so I can see how that can get like very very culty very fast I mean with enough control anything has the potential to become culty right absolutely so this one says I think my mom is in a cult she started going to these trainings and seminars called turning point the leader's name is Marshall Silver he was charged with fraud in the early 2000s, but not convicted. Anyway, so my mom started going to these events about a year and a half ago. She's always been vulnerable to scams. She's been in Amway, Herbalife, and the one that sells Spark, Advocare. I don't know how much she paid to originally go to the seminar, but she upgraded to the next level or maybe more than the next level and does private coaching with Marshall. Then she upgraded more to be able to host these turning point events. My mom was supposed to host one around this time last year, but it didn't work out. The idea behind hosting an event is that she would charge people an insane amount. I think a couple thousand. I'm not really sure. And most of the event would be live streamed or something. So Marshall would be doing most of the events like a live speaking part. And it would just be over Zoom or something similar. Then the hands-on part my mom would do with the people. Like they would break boards and eat fire. I'm not really sure how much my mom has given this Marshall Silver guy. But I really believe that she's in over $100,000 just to him. I know she's taken out loans and maxed out her credit cards to pay for this. She spends a ridiculous amount of time on webinars. And now she's involved with another group that does real estate. Oh, God, I hope it's not EXP. She paid another guy $30,000 for his 30000 to 30 days course. I told her that it sounds 100% like a scam. And he was supposed to teach her how to flip houses and make $30,000 in 30 days. And the weird part was that he was going to teach her how to flip houses without even fixing them up. She was supposed to do the bare minimum and then resell the houses for at least $30,000 more. This was early this year. She hasn't bought or sold one house yet. She doesn't listen to me when I express my concerns. And she just says that she doesn't understand or makes other excuses. When I ask her to explain it because I'm confused, she can't. So I looked up this guy, Marshall Silver, and I looked up his turning point stuff. So the turning point seminar, the basic seminar is $3,000. And this woman mentioned that her mom had taken a few of them and was then hosting them herself. There are pictures on the website of them breathing fire and doing these like wild things that, that she's claiming are happening. So there's proof of that as well. Um, it also on the website says that that Turning Point is the most successful hypnosis coaching program in the world. And their Inner Circle Mastermind Summit, which is one of those advanced courses that she talks about here, costs $60,000. 
Uh, and the turning point seminar, the basic one, the $3,000 one is a two and a half day found a half day, two and a half, a two and a half day foundational training program that teaches you through subconscious reprogramming, how to free yourself from phobias, minimize stress, increase your motivation levels and create massive financial abundance. What? That's wild. That is Higdon group level. That is like all of these coaching scams that we see all like it's, it's wild. Right. And here she is. The, the, the anonymous poster tells us that her mom is now also teaching these programs and having people like eat fire with her. Like it's what is going on? What are they? It's a hypnosis program. What are we learning here? That is, that is really scary. And like the power of the mind is like, our brains are very, very, very powerful. And like hypnosis, I'm not trained in hypnosis, but like, that is, that's really scary to me that like, that is happening. And also I want to say that the word mastermind is a super dog whistle for me. I think that that is such a like, word that just hollers at people to be like, I can make you bigger and bigger, better and blah, 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 blah. And I think it's just, it doesn't actually provide any substance. No, this one is saying that it's going to help you create massive financial abundance, but this woman is a hundred thousand dollars in and has maxed out credit cards and taken out loans. How is that massive financial abundance for anyone but Marshall Silver? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Guys, now we're going to uh, take a pivot into lifestyle, which I think is kind of my favorite section that we have, because I think this is just so interesting how things in our everyday life can turn into like a culty experience. So I'm really excited to have some conversations about um, these areas. So the first one says, I lost my best friend November 18th, just a few weeks ago, days ago, uh, yeah. to a cult. She's almost 24. I'm the only person she met outside her cult. Every time she met me, she cried, saying she fears for her life and what will happen if she left. Visits were short and hidden. I was mean, didn't understand why it was so toxic or dangerous to leave. It was her idea. She was supposed to move in with me to get away from her family. She disappeared. They caught her trying to leave. Why would they keep her and not let her go? She broke the rules. Oh my gosh. I know, right? Terrifying. A couple days ago. A couple days ago. This is I don't know what kind of cult it is. I, I don't know if it's religious. I don't know if it's a lifestyle. I don't know. Yeah. And um it just it was so heartbreaking to me to have someone reach out to me. And and this was sort of in the comment section of various comments that this person was posting. And I sort of put this together because it was so powerful to to read this when it was all together in, in this cohesive structure of, of what she was trying to say. And it's terrifying that she was trying to help her friend. And, and this where she says, I was mean, that got me like that hurts because I've been mean too. Like we're all yeah. guilty of being mean. We're all guilty of coming from a place of like projection and our own fear and insecurity and being mean to people and not being compassionate and understanding and things like that, you know? And I feel for this woman because of this and it's not your fault. You know, it wasn't because you were mean and she's in a cult. She has no control. They have all the control. And, um, I don't want you to, to feel like this was your fault or you're doing because you tried to help her leave, but, um, be there and be that safe space for her if she's able to reach back out to you and just listen and and be there for her and support her the best way you can and hopefully we can have a up an update uh, yeah. eventually that that this ended in a in a much more beautiful way so please stay in touch Ugh, but just um, heartbreaking just heartbreaking absolutely i also want to add if this person is listening uh it might be worth it to email stephen hassan uh and oh, yeah. ask for some advice if this person does reach back out to you on like how to safely get them out. This is very scary. Um, I'm so sorry. I really hope that this gets better. And I really hope that we do get an update. Okay. This one made me laugh. 
And I just hung out with Megan Williams last night. She was in San Diego when we went and got ice cream and hung out, let the girls play. And I told her about this one. And uh, we had a little conversation about this. And she was like, yeah, you know, it can be really culty. But this person says, probably not the best answer, but AA felt like that to me. And it's a really great answer. I just want to be honest because it can be that way. There's a lot of people in AA who are vulnerable, lost, looking, and need help, need guidance, need support. And it's it's ripe for predators. It's absolutely right for predators. There are going to be predators that are lying in wait for you. That's actually how Megan was recruited into MLM was her sponsor recruited her. And so, yeah, you're definitely feeling that cultiness and there are definitely going to be people that, that AA worked for them and there right. are people, people that AA didn't work for them. So there's yes. definitely some, some culty, some culty feels there. I, I would also say too. Um, so I've listened to the sounds like a cult episode on this too. And they had similar uh, feelings as we did. I would say that if you're feeling like your AA group is culty, try another one. There are so many, there are so many online. There are so many in the community. Um, I mean, I I don't know if that might be a privileged place for me to say that because I live in a very populated area. There might um, not be as many around like a less populated, densely populated area. But online, definitely check out others. If you if you feel the red flags, find somewhere else to go. Absolutely. Um, so the next one is I do CrossFit and let's go because CrossFit is, in my opinion, very culty. Um, they have that mascot where they um, like they try to they're proud of throwing up essentially is what the mascot is like, I don't remember what it's called, but it's about throwing up. And I'm sure people are going to be like, ah, yes. Yeah. And Amanda actually talks about this in cultish as well. She talks about the, the, the culty CrossFit boxes that you can join. Uh, and that was one of my best friends just during CrossFit with her new boyfriend. And they were like, oh, they, were, they invited me to like their competition and stuff. She's like, I'm doing CrossFit now. And I was like, did you join a culty box? That was the first thing I asked her. She's like, no, no, they're really cool. And I was like, okay. She's like, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> oh my God. There's something about pairing exercise with like cultiness like you know like spin cycle peloton orange uh CrossFit, orange theory like these there's something about i think when like your endorphins are like rushing that you just become like way more open and passionate and like willing to just like throw yourself into things um so yeah definitely i feel like crossfit is very culty and also there's a, definitely an in group and an out group in crossfit there is a lot of racial uh, biases in their history, which is not great. So yeah, I could go on forever, but we have more things to read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one says, I was in an OCD recovery cult group and it actually made the news in the UK. What? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to dig more into that one. I know I haven't heard about that, but that doesn't surprise me either. I mean, thinking about other like psychology, like psychotherapy based cult groups, like it's very scary because you're seeking help and support for something that you're struggling with. And, you know, these people will like say that they're the answer to these things and they're just not, um, um they end up being manipulative and it's scary. Um, the next one says, I listened to your discussion of the bite model and everything you shared reminds me of the time of my time as a young person in AA or YPAA. I got sober at the age of 23 and was all in. I stayed sober for the next 16 years in a row, going to meetings almost every day, having sponsors, working the steps, becoming a sponsor. I witnessed what can only be described as human trafficking over and over again. I saw people that were mentally, financially, and sexually abused. Many participants were sentenced to AA as terms of their probation. It is insanely dangerous place for women. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's another per perspective, right? That yeah. I, I didn't even think of. 
that it is most likely a very dangerous place for women, unfortunately. I that's another thing. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like a lot of these submissions really just open more questions than answer anything at all because it just makes me go like, I had no idea this was happening. Like this, like we need to tell this story. We need to dig deeper. We need to figure out what's going on because there are other people maybe listening right now going, wait a second. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have seen that actually. I did feel that way. And being able to create more educational content based on comments and submissions like this, which really pushes forward the show. I mean, you guys are the reasons we make these shows at all in the first place. So being able to create content that speaks to you based on your experiences and things that happen to you, I think is is, is really cool. And it's just really making me go like, I want to dig even deeper into a lot of these topics and, and reach out to some of the people that um, responded to these and see if they're willing to help me. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Uh, we got another one that says CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, the next one says, to be honest, teaching, you're either in 110% or you're not dedicated. It literally consumes you. I can absolutely see how this happens in our school systems where teachers are being, especially right now, teachers are being shamed and bullied by parents and administration. And it's just like this whole issue that we're seeing right now with teachers being burnt out and not really being paid for their time appropriately. Uh, it's just, it's just really terrible what, what is going on here. And I can see how it could be very consuming. And absolutely, if you're, if you're setting boundaries with like administration, I can see where uh, you'd be in a tight situation, I guess I'll say. I didn't really know a lot about teaching and I learned something when I went to Iowa to do the speaking. I talked to Dr. Susan. Hey, Dr. Susan, I know she listens. And she was talking to us about her time as an adjunct professor before she, uh, where she's working now at Iowa State. And I had no idea how it worked. And I had no idea already teachers get paid like nothing, right? Like nothing. They deal with the hardest stuff, the worst stuff, and they get paid. It's It's insulting. And they're always like the first thing cut from the government. Like it's insulting. Like, wouldn't you want, and this is what makes me think that it's, that everything is a freaking system that's all built this way, because why wouldn't you want the people that live here to be smart? Right. Why wouldn't you want better education? Like, why wouldn't you want people to learn how to read and write and do these things and learn and have better education and higher education that doesn't cost so much money, yet the people don't get paid all that much money. So where's all this money going? All this money, it costs so much. All these student, like, like, where's all this money? You know what I mean? Like it is this really disgusting, like for profit machine. And then Dr. Susan is telling us Michelle and Jenny and I are all sitting there and she's talking to us about this, how she had been an adjunct professor for years. And I didn't know this, but as an adjunct professor, you can only teach up to two classes per semester. And Dr. Susan was saying that like her pay was capped at three grand a class. So she's only making $6,000 for the whole semester. What's that? Three months. That's like nothing. How do you live? Right? So she had to go to other colleges and live in a college town to be able to access other colleges and be adjunct professors at other colleges teaching two classes at this college and two classes at this college and two running across town to go to this college on Thursday and then over here on Friday and then back here on Monday just to be able to make ends meet. And she said, even then it was still paycheck to paycheck as a college professor. What is happening in this country? It's, it's sick. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. It is wild to me. Like, this is the way that we're treating college professors. A college professor can't even pay their bills. Dr. Susan has a doctorate. She has a PhD. Like, she can't pay her bills? What? Why are we treating our education system this way? And this is at the higher levels of learning at institutions and universities. Right. And then she also mentioned that the majority of professors that are tenured on staff are men. And then the people that are having to be adjunct professors that are doing this, that are not getting tenured positions, end up being women, LGBTQ, and people of color. 
they're not fully on staff. And you know why it's only two classes? Because three classes would be technically full-time and you would have to get benefits. So they only let you teach just enough to not get anything but a paycheck. It is disgusting. And I'm going to have Dr. Susan come on because I think this topic is so important. And especially with someone reaching out and saying, to be honest, teaching is kind of culty. Yeah. And this person is um, like a little kid teacher. I don't remember what age, but like her classroom is very young. So it's interesting to hear about it from both both sections. Um, But yeah, we all benefit from an educated society. So why are we not... Right. funding these programs. Uh, it's the same thing in the therapy world. Like we all benefit from having people mentally well. Right. Why, why is mental health treatment so underfunded? Like all of these things that help the entire society are underfunded and it's very scary. Yeah. It's almost like it's intentional or something. Oh. Wow. Why would thought? What educated, <laughs> mentally healthy physically healthy people like <laughs> what is the benefit of keeping people sick and poor and downtrodden I wonder I wonder what the benefit of that is it's because it's, wild. Uh, it's because we're all going to be recruited into a cult soon I feel that's like, my conspiracy I theory like, I feel like <laughs> the U.S. government is a pyramid scheme cult anyway <laughs> so this one says my BFF in college catfished me with my dream guy to control and manipulate me She even had some guy call me to leave me a voicemail while I was in class. Months of lies. I felt so stupid and so much shame, but no one understood. I was channel surfing and stumbled on the show Catfish years later, and I realized that I was not alone in this experience and that I had been taken advantage of. Then I found you and Stephen Hassan, and it has been so healing to hear these stories and learn about the bite model. You know what? I was catfished. I was catfished years ago by a friend and I thought we were friends and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it ended up not being who they said they were. It was, it was a whole thing. It was really, really just really interesting. And, um, probably one of the earlier moments in my life that I was like, I don't trust people. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, wow. I would love to do some catfish episodes, on Ooh. on life after MLM because again it is that cult of one right it is that manipulation this was her best friend in college like what oh it's just like you know and again it goes it goes into so much there's mental health aspects to this and there's there's so much a lot of psychological manipulation and control in um in this a different type of one-on-one cult Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. And our last one for today is, uh, I think this is going to be fun for us to talk about Disney adults. Some are so nasty and the groups are really toxic. And I think that if you're looking at the Facebook groups, you are so right. I mean, but as we talked about, I think in Roberta's episode, uh, I don't know where, where that conversation actually ended up now that I'm saying that but um in one of these episodes we talked about how the anti-MLM group can be really mean and really nasty in some places and I think that in any like subgroup of people oh I'm in like some therapist Facebook groups and one time I asked a question and I got so chewed out over my wording and then I went to my ADHD Facebook group and I was like this just happened but like it's my ADHD therapist Facebook group And they were all so compassionate and they helped me with my question. And they all were like, I can't believe that people responded to that that way. Like that was absolutely inappropriate. And it's so interesting how these groups of people that have commonalities can just turn on each other. Yeah, there's a lot of gatekeeping too. And there's like a lot of elitism and like a lot of classism sort of like in that way too with these groups. There's a lot of people that like feel like they're the OG or they they've liked Disney longer or they've been a Disney adult longer. And so thus they are higher in the hierarchy of the Disney adult cult. It's just it's interesting. Um, yeah. I wouldn't call myself a Disney adult, but I am an adult that enjoys Disney from now and then when my daughter was 
young and was not in school, we had Disney passes because we're so close and we went all the time. And I knew everything like the back of my, I was a Disney adult for like three years with my daughter. I knew the, the map, the way, the best rides, the best times, the best place to get the food. Oh, you want this? I know the secret place. Like I knew it all. You just, you just come with me. You don't even need the map. Like I know all, like I knew it. I don't know it now, but I knew it then. And it is kind of like talking about and thinking back on it now kind of culty because it wasn't even just like, oh, adventure land is fun. It was like, if you have this and you know this and you go here, you can actually get in an hour early. Like it was all these little secret things, secret places, looking for hidden Mickeys, feeling superior in rides, being like, did you know that when you pull this rope, boing, you know, like things like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was fun. It was fun. But it was looking back on it now, I'm like, it is a little culty. It is, but I, I love Disneyland. I love like the history of Disneyland. And so when I go, I'm totally like the Ted Mosby of my friend group <laughs> where I'm like, and here we have, and they're like, stop, <laughs> stop, <laughs> That's stop so telling funny. us about the leprechaun that lives at the base of that tree, Roberta, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so cute. <laughs> Oh my God. That's so funny. Uh, my family is like an interesting, like, I don't know if we would consider them Disney adults or not, but they do go pretty much every year. Cause my sister, um, for anyone that doesn't know, my sister has autism. She thinks that Goopy is her boyfriend. Uh, she lives in that world and we are here to support her in that journey because you know what girl reach for the stars. Goopy's I mean, a great guy. If you're looking at, Disney characters to pick as a boyfriend. Goofy is like a solid choice. He's funny. Yeah. He's tall. He can take a joke. Like he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's a hard worker. His best friend is Mickey. There's a lot of perks that come with that. Like it's it's a it's a solid, solid pick. choice. Yeah. Solid pick. Solid. Also, now my family is pretty much locked in. Like my sister, every time we go, uh, like vacation is mentioned. It's like okay like when's the next bit Disney trip like they don't go anywhere else so it, it's fun no, it's fun I have an idea convince your family that they should come visit California Adventure they actually it, did well you and Nick will come with them and I will meet you there and we will go to California Adventure do you see yes see? I do see I do see <laughs> you should, we'll just piggyback we'll make it work Danielle <laughs> I know all the best food spots. <laughs> I just want to know about the leprechaun, but you do have my heart at food. So, <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you so much, Roberta. This was fantastic. I loved collaborating with you um, for this month and with I Got Out. And uh, definitely anyone go and check out out of MLM.info slash I Got Out or I Got Out on Instagram, all of that stuff. Uh, they continue to put out really great stuff. Michelle puts out really great stuff. Um, yeah. so yeah. And, and I want to, I want to, I'll talk about this when she comes on my show, but I'm going to pitch it a little bit on yours. My favorite feature of out of MLM is the, is it an MLM like spreadsheet? Because you can search and it's really cool. So it was like, there was the old website that was, is it an MLM.com? And this is the new database that's being made. And it is so much more comprehensive. You can literally search like makeup or beauty and it will pop up all the MLMs like that are beauty MLMs so that you can check not just by name, but if you're like, I was in one and I sold lipstick, I don't know. Or I was doing, you can search for it by the products and like the categories as well. So I think it's really cool. Michelle's been working really, really hard on it. And um, I think it's probably one of the coolest upgrade features of that. Is it an MLM.com type? thing to um, get a lot more education and information out to people who are just quickly trying to figure out if if what someone is offering them is an MLM and, and what it sells. Absolutely. Yeah, that is really, really cool. Also, another plug for Michelle is that she's been working. Uh, she went to an FTC meeting and it does sound like comments are going to be reopening. If you are around for last March, we had an a comment palooza and we helped people to craft comments to send to the FTC. Uh, and Michelle's going to be coming on probably both of our podcasts to talk more about that. So that way you guys have all the information and uh, can just learn about this new commenting period. And if you weren't around for that, stay tuned. There will be more information, but 
definitely keep your eyes peeled for it because we need all the help we can get. Yeah. I, I mean, I think 2023 is going to be a great year. So um, I can't wait to collaborate next year with I Got Out and you and whoever else joins us yeah. uh, in 2023 for Cult Education Month in November on our shows. I am so excited. Thank you so much for being a part of this uh, collaboration episode where Danielle and I did a lot of extra work to make this happen. <laughs> We're like, uh, it was fun, but I don't know how many, how many times we're going to do this. I hope, I hope it all comes out nicely because it was one long interview that is going to be cut up into a bunch of different spots. But I think, I think, I think I have learned enough about editing that I can make it happen. You know what? And that's, that's why I keep you around as my friend, because I don't know anything about editing. So I'm so glad. So everyone, (laughs) if if when this episode comes out and it sounds really nice, make sure you uh, go and give Roberta's podcast five stars because it's not me that did that. <laughs> it was her. Uh, you like and do not expect that level. Of do not expect that level of editing from me because, as we know, mm-hmm. I work way too much on my regular job to right. also and make this podcasting. is my regular job, yeah. <laughs> so I can make the time. <laughs> yes, uh, but everyone, if you haven't checked out Roberta's podcast i don't know where you've been literally talk about her every week so (laughs) so please go check out please go check her out if you have not um very very similar podcast uh but roberta has really cool guests on as well i mean all of our guests are cool but like she also goes in and finds cool people like amanda montel and I mean, I think that we might be having some interviews with people from The Vow coming up soon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. some people from Scientology. <gasps> yeah. Ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I finally decided to use my connections this year. And I was like, you know what? I was on your show last year. How about you return the favor? And everyone was like, yes. So it's going to be a really fun uh, next couple months of interviews. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear them. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And I hope that you all have a fantastic weekend. Bye. Bye. Hey, Huns. I just wanted to take a second to tell you guys about Acorn. And no, this is not a sponsored ad. Acorn is a robo-investing account that I've been using to manage my money since I've started my own small business. I honestly had no idea what I was doing in regards to saving for the future, but knew I needed to start somewhere and thought this was a great way to get the ball rolling. I really like the interactive graphics and watching what's going on with my money. If this is something that you feel interested in, feel free to click the link in my bio to start your own Acorn account, and we'll both get $5 added in our accounts for our investing future. Happy savings!